Hello and welcome to Travel Radio. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and I am pleased to welcome back again to the show my first guest ever, Matthew Walgren. Welcome back, Matt. Hi, Megan. Hey, Matt. Uh, for people who haven't heard your episodes before, would you give us an introduction to yourself and what you do? Yeah, so I'm a travel advisor. I specialize in Europe, river cruising, and ocean cruises, um, but I'm also a little more adventurous than that. So for my own travels, I do like to get out of my And uh, what, I mean, today, this is your latest adventure. What, what would you introduce today's topic? Uh, let's talk about Kenya. I just got back from Kenya a little over a month ago, and it was, uh, it was a pretty incredible experience. Yep. So we are going to talk uh, luxury safaris in Kenya. There's quite the difference between doing a luxury safari and uh, like a tented option. Today also will be, um, this will be the second edition of a video accompaniment with, on YouTube. So we have a YouTube channel now, and if you wanted to subscribe to that, that would help us out because once we get to 100 subscribers, I can actually have a URL that says youtube.com slash travel radio podcast, but you have to have 100 subscribers in order to do that. So if you're listening and you find it helpful, please go ahead and subscribe. That would help me out. And then we will go through some of Matt's pictures, some incredible uh, videos that he took, especially of these, like a humongous pack of baby cheetahs. That mama had so many babies and they're adorable. And you should check out the video so you can see them too. And then it'll also give us Matt's five tips to taking a luxury Kenya podcast. And some of them are surprising. So anyway, it's going to be enjoyable. But Matt, let's get started with just simply, how have you been in California? Tell me about the land of the free, the home of the brave, and warm weather. <laughs> and what, mother? <laughs> what? Warm. Um, my mother? Um, everything's going good out here. Yeah, um, the weather's pretty nice. Um, it's great. Business, you know, this is busy time right now for business. Everybody's looking to plan their trips um, and lock things down before, you know, all the good options are, are gone away. So I'm, I'm busy uh, planning various trips for different people. Uh, very interesting. Like I started noticing some trends here and I don't remember if we talked about this before, but like last year and now this year, even more, it's like Greece. Greece is back on the radar for Europe. Like everybody yeah. wants to go to Greece now. Um, yes, I believe it's really interesting. So Sherry Cavlin, who, you know, and who has been a guest on the podcast, I had her on, we talked about kind of some lesser known parts of Greece. And she just actually sent me an email today that a gal heard it, who funny was actually her client already, but didn't know that she specialized in Greece. And now she has, uh, she's planning a 20 day, 20 night trip for this gal. So, um, It was just really good feedback for me and that some, I mean, I know people are listening because I can see the statistics, but it's really good to hear that, you know, the connections are happening because that's the purpose of the podcast to connect people because basically the internet is humongous. It's overwhelming. There's too many choices. You don't know who to trust. Right. And I like to have travel professionals on that have trusted resources and the connection happened, especially for Sherry. And that's Anyway, encouraging to me, but yeah, Greece is hot for her too. What other trends do you see? Italy still, I mean, Italy is the most popular, I think, place for Americans to travel to and mm-hmm. and France. Mm-hmm. So that one's big. Um, I think wine river cruises 
Um, oh. Those keep expanding. There's more and more options coming up, more itineraries related to wine river cruises. I'm going to take my first wine river cruise this year. Um, I'm going to mm. go to um, Burgundy and Provence. Yes. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I've never been to those parts of, of France before. So. And that's when you're be, leading. People can come with you, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So okay. I just I just put the itinerary up, and I'm going to start, um, you know, promoting it this week. But I just got approval and put the itinerary up um, on my website. So uh, it's it's going to be pretty awesome. So we're going to go, yeah, all through Burgundy and Provence, go to these little tiny towns, and start in we're going to start in Marseille. Um, Wait, it's going to be. Let's do looks, a whole episode. Really cool. Yeah. And if you love wine, and this is the region we're going to, the region like I love uh, Beaujolais. Yes. Um, so if you like that kind of wine, we're going to go to that area as well. Oh and man! Try some like Beaujolais from from Beaujolais. So that's for me. That's pretty exciting. Matt, one year you have to try this. Maybe just do it with a turkey breast because I know it's just two of you. Although you're raising chickens, so maybe this is offensive to you. But <laughs> <laughs> we brined a turkey in Beaujolais, uh, and. It turned the turkey purple. It took like three or four like bottles in order to cover the turkey. Wow. It turned the turkey purple because we sat it in there for like three days or something. And then I dry rubbed it and then I smoked it. So the outside was actually black when I took it out of the smoker and I thought I have ruined Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. It was purple, but it was wonderful. So um, Interesting. <laughs> And the meat was purple too, not just the skin. Was, exactly. The meat inside was purple. Yes. Interesting. That's so weird. You have to show pictures of that. That's I've never seen a purple turkey. I don't Sounds know. Sounds like something out of Doctor Seuss. Yeah, for real. I don't know if I have pictures because that was 2010. Maybe I do. I'll have to see if I do. Right before cameras. Huh? Mm, before at least <laughs> cell phone cameras. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you have to also understand that I've moved a lot since 2010. Yeah. So it could be in a box somewhere. Anyway, good reason to get things in albums. Um, so, okay, well, let's talk about you have the the Beaujolais wine tour, which we'll do a separate episode on. And we'll include, of course, include links to that in the podcast notes. And also you can just visit matt.travel and you'll see his little picture on the page. And you can just click on that, get to all of his contact information and you can find his coming trips there. But uh, you have that on your on your list for the year. What else is on your list for 2020? The other one is I've got um, my first one um, in April. That's going to be Playa del Carmen. So oh. I had the opportunity about a year and a half ago to go to that area, to Cancun, Riviera Maya, and all that, and look at a bunch of different resorts. Mm -hmm. And now, if you remember, um, we spoke about this. Yes, we did. About the different ones and for families and stuff like that. We did a whole episode on it. Well, I'm going to go back. I'm bringing, uh, I think there's um, you know, a small group of us going. I'm not trying to make it too big, but there are still a few spots open if anyone's interested. Cool. Um, we're going to stay at uh, Secrets Capri, which is the first Secrets Resort. Um, but I hear it's pretty, um, they've kept it up nice and well. They update it, okay. and it, but it's more affordable. So it's, it's, it, it hits a, a right price point for most people. And then I'm, that's with the main group. And then... And I don't know if you remember, but there was one um, resort I was really impressed with. And so I'm going to go stay at this other resort for a few days afterwards. It's Live Aqua Spa yes, yes, and Resort. 
Yes, because we typically talked they say about resort and when spa. you walk in. Yeah. Yes. Yes, typically, you know, they would say resort and spa. This one's a spa and resort. They put the spa first. When you walk in, there's a water feature. Um, you sit down and check in and you get a hand massage. They have like these a different Zen boy in your room hmm. every day, different scents to choose from, to spray in the room. Um, it was just, I was only there an hour, but I was, I just came out so relaxed. <laughs> I'm like, if an hour can do this, I want to stay longer. So I'm going to go for three nights. Oh man, um, I'm trying to figure unplugged. out where to go for my 40th birthday. I said it on air. Everybody knows now. It's a couple of years away, but my sister wants to come and we're arguing back and forth because we're twins. We're trying to figure out where we want to go. But I, I said, I want to, that, that was one of my options. And just hearing you say it makes me feel like I need a nap, but don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make it through the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. All right. What else? Anything else? Yeah, the other one I'm doing, uh, besides the Wine River Cruise, is I'm doing a uh, Mediterranean ocean cruise on my favorite ship in the world. It's um, Celebrity Edge. It's oh. a really awesome ship. Um, and so we're going to go. It's round trip from Rome, which makes it really easy for the flights. Mm -hmm. um, I'm already I'm leading a group. I think there's about 100 people oh my <laughs> in the group right now. So, um, But there's still, there's still room. So... Uh, let me know if you want to join. But we go to Rome. We travel down to uh, – I've been all over Italy, but I've never been to Naples, mm -hmm. which is like a nice hub for if you want to go to Capri or you want to go to Pompeii or Mount Vesuvius or the Amalfi Coast. You can do it all right there from that port. Um, mm -hmm. And then we go down to Sicily, which I'm really excited about. Yes. Um, which, you know, it's a really iconic kind of area, and I haven't been there yet. So we go down there, and then we go to Cotor Montenegro. Oh, which nice. I hear is awesome. Mm -hmm. We go to Split, um, Croatia, which I have passed through on a bus, and it's beautiful, but I only saw it for, like, you know, a minute. Sure. Uh, we go to Dubrovnik as oh, well wow. in wow. Croatia, which is King's Landing for those Game of Thrones fans. And I've been there before a long time ago, way before it was, you know, on the map. Um, but that's one of the coolest uh, sort of fortified cities I I've ever been to. It's still, you know, go when you go to Europe, you visit these different um, fortified cities, right, or fortified cities, um, but they're not, they're kind of ancient, and they're not really doing anything there anymore. It's more of like a museum now, but Dubrovnik, it's still a live, you know, thriving city um, with clubs and, you know, people go to church and, you know, all these things. It's a, it's a, it's a, a real city, so it's really mm -hmm. cool. Um, and then we go to Corfu, which is a, a an island in, in Greece, and then it's up to Trieste, which is near Venice, you know, a lot of, um, you know, Venice is kind of, because of all the different issues and stuff they're mm -hmm, having, they're kind of mm -hmm. turning ships away and not allowing them to, to port there so much. I'm kind so of on board with that, to, though. I um, yeah, yeah. No, I think it makes sense. So the alternative is they're going to Trieste instead, which is about a two-hour drive to Venice. But Trieste, even on its own, I, mean, I haven't been there myself yet, but looking at it, it just looks like it's a destination of its own. But if you want to go to Venice, you can, because the port day there it's a long day you have like i mean we arrive in the morning and you don't need to be back till late at night so you have cool. you know you can have a full day in venice that sounds amazing matt that is some i mean like life fulfilling travel right there <laughs> that's awesome 
All right. Well, why don't we jump into today's topic, which again, we're going to talk about luxury safaris in Kenya. So um, when did you go? When did you get back? I mean, we talked, I guess we touched on that a little bit, but um, go ahead and get started. Yeah. So I uh, left in late November and came back early December. So it was like end of November, early December, um, which is a good time frame to go to Kenya. The weather tends to be pretty nice there. Um, we had some random rain, um, which all the guides said was a little bit weird for that time frame. Um, but it wasn't so bad. A little bit of rain, but it was nothing unbearable. It was it was nice. It wasn't too hot. Of course, it's warmer, you know, than I'm yes. used to in California and more humid and stuff. But it was it was it was fine. Um, okay, good. The weather was was just fine. Yeah, we um, so something about the flights, right? So I went to New York because. New York has direct flights, and I didn't want to have to do a bunch of layovers. So I, I decided I'll, I'll go through New York and I'll do um, Kenya Airlines so I can kind of get that, get my experience started off as soon as I'm on the plane. Okay. And they have direct flights to Nairobi from Kenya. So that or made it two, super from easy. New York. It, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. From New York to Kenya. Yeah. And it, it is a, I think it was like about a 15 hour flight. It is a long, mm-hmm. long flight. But it was direct. Um, the service was great. Oh, I actually good. really enjoyed the food that they served. Um, there was for me. There was I was in economy, but the, but there was plenty of leg room. The, the seats reclined a, a fair amount, you know, um, yes. rather than how they do on domestic, you yes. know, flights. Oh, it was like okay, I actually have some. I can go back a decent. I, mean, I was actually nervous that it was going too far back. I asked the guy behind me, "Is this is this too far back?" <laughs> He's like, "No, it's fine." So. Um, they they gave you plenty of space um, there, so I thought it was nice. I thought it was was really comfortable, having never been, you know, on that airline before. That's good to hear. We don't hear about. I mean, tip. I, I listen to a lot of travel podcasts and I consume a lot of travel media, and you just don't hear that airline talked about a lot. So that's good to hear. Um, what about prior to departure? What did you have to do as far as vaccines <clears throat> went? Yeah, so the the year before I had been to Peru, so I'd already had a bunch of my vaccines Good. done. So for me, I just had to get malaria pills and take yes. those every day, uh, and that that was it because I'd already gotten all the other shots that required done. But I, so it just really depends on the individual and their travel experience and where they've already been. Uh, but definitely talk to you know go to a travel clinic okay, before good. you go. And, and ask them, make sure you have your records on hand of all the shots you've already had previously in your life, so you don't have to get those redone. Uh, but the great thing that I like about going to the travel clinic for that, as opposed to my regular doctor, is they will give you this little yellow piece of paper that shows all the vaccines that you've gotten. And uh, they can put it in this nice little plastic envelope. Mm-hmm. I always keep it with my passport when I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. So if I go anywhere, just in case if I go somewhere and they're like, you know, sometimes when you cross borders from one country to the other, um, maybe they you didn't expect you're going to do that. They want to yeah. see what your vaccines are. They want to make sure you're not bringing over something from their neighboring country that mm-hmm. they're trying to keep out. Um, so having that on hand, it's just, I don't know, it's just a nice peace of mind. I can always pull it out and say, hey, here's all the vaccines I've got if you need to look at it so you know I'm, I'm good. Sure. And I will put a link to the CDC's uh, recommended vaccination at the, at the time it'll change but it the link should stay the same i'll put that in the show notes so people can just click through so there you go 
Now, what about um, the visa process? You are traveling from the States, so this will only apply to U.S. travelers, but uh, what was that process like? Yeah, so I applied for it. You know, you want to do it in advance, but I kind of got this opportunity to lead a, a group kind of only with a month's notice. So I um, I only had a month to apply. You do it online, which is it's nice and easy. You go back in and you check every week, and it's not approved. It's not approved. It's not approved. It's just still, still pending. Like, what's going on? It said to be approved in a week. Don't worry about it. Just print your receipt. You already paid. You have to pay a, a fee, like a $70 fee or something like that. Print that page out. Um, when you get to the airport, don't wait in the line like I did. I waited in the line for no visas because I didn't get approved yet. So I'm like, well, I guess I have to wait in this long line because I didn't get the visa. When I got in that line, they put me in the short line. They said, oh, no. Go over there. So, so skip that long line. Just well, print out good. that page, that receipt that you paid, and your application that you had completed. Go in the short line. They just rubber stamp you. You just give them that form, and they go, give you your little stamp on your passport, and you're on your way. So, so don't make the mistake I did. I didn't think I had the. I, knew I didn't get approved yet, so I thought I had to be in that slower lane. Uh, but you don't. Just fill out the paperwork, go in the short lane, um, and you're all set. Yeah, I actually watched a video recently where a gal did not get a visa and she just showed up and got it for like 40 bucks or something, which I it's a little risky to me and policies change. So I think doing it ahead of time is the way to go. But I'm glad that worked out for you. OK, so yeah. um, what do guests need to know um, about, tra- you know, getting money while they're in Kenya and, and what money, you know, how is that working? What did you do for for your money? You know what? They take dollars there. So I didn't worry about it. They were very readily fine with taking dollars. I didn't have any trouble with that. So I, I, and I'd heard that, so I didn't, I didn't take out any money. Um, when I got there, I gave them dollars. Now, when I did go to Nairobi and I did find the ATM machine, um, I did pull out some money. Uh, you know, for me, my bank doesn't charge a bunch of fees for ATMs and all this stuff. So it was easy enough for me to just pull out of an ATM in country. That's what I tend to do uh, rather than having to go to the bank and ask for special currency and all this stuff. And it takes some, you know, weeks to get it delivered. Um, it just depends on, on you. If you're someone that would rather have the money in hand, I definitely would get it from your bank before you leave. But if you do it at the airport at one of those exchanges, they charge you a, an arm and a leg and they may not have it if it's Kenya, because it's kind of a, you know, it's not it's the most popular, popular destination for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for me, my, I've never had a problem pulling out money internationally at an ATM. So that's the route that I... Well, what I wanted to say is that uh, when you're doing this, you know, luxury um, safari experience, you, I, I think that that's probably a fine option. If you end up in some more remote locations in Kenya, though, like, you have to know that in the cities, you might be able to to do that and to use a debit card or or a, you know your credit card. However, like when you get in these villages, you have to have cash. That's right. Yeah, you yeah. want to have cash on you. I I brought a hundred dollars with me, and I pulled out another hundred or so in the local currency from the ATM, and so that's what I had on me. Uh, yeah, it's definitely mostly cash once you get out of the city. So you want to have cash on you whether it's dollars or, or, um, yeah. or Nairobi or, you know, Kenya currency. Yeah, I think it's the shilling. Yeah, because also if you get into like some of the smaller towns, it may have a cash point, but because it's the only one for miles, like there may be like a 
50 shilling limit on the day or whatever it is. So is if you just, right. when you first get into the city, uh, take care of that right away. So that's good. All right, Matt. So what do, um, so we talked a little bit about your flight. I'm glad you got that direct one. Cause I had to go through Amsterdam and I think it was a 33 hour travel day. It was crazy. Uh, so, wow. so that's good. So then, um, what was the airport like as far as claiming baggage? Did you have to, I know you traveled pretty light and we're going to get into that a little bit, but what was the airport experience like? It was pretty simple. I didn't have any, I don't have any complaints or anything weird. It was, the airport was small, but clean. Uh, everything kind of went through fast. I went through security right away. Uh, no hassles, nothing. I mean, I barely remember the experience. It was so smooth. Um, I think nothing really notable to, to say about the airport. Okay, perfect. For me, anyways. Were there signs in English? Yes, there were signs in English. Did you find most people yeah. spoke English? Yeah, I didn't have any trouble with that. It was, it's a former colony of um, Great Britain. I, you know, I think they didn't get their independence until the, the 60s. Yeah. So it's heavily English-influenced, even the cuisine, um, which we'll get into is, you know, at least at the lodges and stuff, were very English-centric and, and also Indian-centric. Um, lots of curries and different things like that. Yeah. So I didn't have any, any, any language barriers at all. Never met anybody that didn't speak English, even in the like remote tribes and stuff that we went to. Um, you know, maybe the little kids didn't speak it as much, but the adults, you know, could, could get by on English. Yeah, that's good to know. When I was there, oh my gosh, the children in the villages were so cute. They'd be like, how are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. They just say both answer. It was so sweet. Yeah, yeah. I wanted, I actually took Swahili lessons and I practiced so much vocabulary, but then everyone there wanted to practice, you know, this was quite some time ago. And so maybe English wasn't as prevalent, but they wanted to practice English. So I didn't get to practice my Swahili, but that's okay. Uh -huh. That's okay. I still know some, a little bit, just a little. So <laughs> where did your trip start? So it started in Nairobi. We were there for just one night, which, you know, I had people say, what, only one night? What a shame. You should have explored more. But my mentality on this trip was more, I want to get out in nature. I didn't even really, I, was, I wasn't really thinking much mm -hmm. about Nairobi. I did wander mm -hmm. a little bit around, um, but didn't, didn't, didn't get a chance to explore it too much. Um, I got there in the late afternoon, had dinner, we had meetings with the guides to prepare ourselves. And by the next morning, you know, we were gone. Okay, great. So then I, I know that this was kind of a lengthy trip. Maybe we won't, we won't go into all of the places you went, but would you like to, you know, pick out some highlights? Yeah, the coolest spots were, you know, the first place we went to was, um, Abaderis, uh, national park and we stayed at this place called the ark so it's they kind of reverse the experience on you which i thought was kind of cool so basically you're in a lodge you stay in that lodge there's outdoor viewing areas on like a like a deck um, but you, you you're confined you stay in there so you're basically in the zoo and the animals come to see you oh, which i thought really was funny. kind of cool rather than you going to the zoo and seeing animals and you just you know you have your breakfast you sit there the animals are coming um elephants will come by the ones that always made me crack up every time i saw them were the warthogs it just reminds favorite. me of the lion king i love them it reminds me of pumbaa and the lion king so when they're ever coming around i'm always thinking you know 
I'm thinking about what they might be thinking, but with a Pumbaa voice. That's so funny. <laughs> it always just makes me laugh a little bit. <laughs> original um, Pumbaa or the remake Pumbaa? The original, original Pumbaa, That's yeah. That's right, the original Pumbaa all the way. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so that's and then um so this is a lodge experience. This is not tent camping. This is not that kind of safari. This is a right. modern hotel. Would you describe that for us? Yeah, now this this one is it was probably the most simplest accommodations that we had. The rooms were fairly small. Um I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say this was kind of like luxury. It was nice. It was clean, mm-hmm. but the rooms were small. Uh, be prepared for that. Uh, it, it felt like an, a wooden ark. It felt. It kind of reminded me of when I went on um, the Amazon River cruise, and when I was on that that sort of riverboat. Mm, okay. Kind of felt. It kind of felt like that with a lot of wood and smaller rooms. Clean, nice, but nothing. Nothing very fancy. It was really all about uh, this lodge. It was really all about the animals. Um, they have a, a well there. And so the animals come to visit and mm. that was kind of the main attraction, but the staff were pleasant. They did have a bar there. Um, and of course a restaurant, uh, the restaurant, you know, is included, you know, okay. pay extra for the food there. It was, it was great. It was an interesting experience. And what I really liked about it, if you get a room towards the front facing the well, um, you can open up your window and look out and the animals are right there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. That sounds really cool. And also, like, I would check my window to make sure it was fastened a couple times. It would be like a situation from Monk where I'd have to make sure it was locked like three times before I went to bed. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just, before the, I went to bed, I just opened up the window. I, I looked out for a while, listened to the, the sounds of, of nature, or something called nature symphony. And then I just, you know, obviously closed it before I, I went to bed and wanted creepy crawlies getting there. Yeah, and there are some. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So, um, all right, so that's one location. Tell us about another highlight. Then we went, the next lodge was pretty cool. So we went to um, Tamburu, and they had this lodge. It has, you know, it's, it's kind of like a resort, really. It's got a nice big pool that you can swim in. There's a river flowing nearby with crocodiles on the other side, which are pretty cool. I'm glad that they're on the other side of the river, not our side. Um, and the lodging was kind of like a fourplex, I guess is how I'd describe it. There was four units per building, and there was um, baboons everywhere. You'd go out, they'd be in your in backyard area, they'd be in the front walk right by you they're kind of sneaky they like you know mm-hmm. they seem like sneaky little children huh. um, so you, you, you got to lock your door they'll get in the room and try and take stuff if you let them huh. um but they had a, a healthy fear of humans not too fearful but a little bit just to stay you know they kept their distance enough but i've got videos of that too um where they're just kind of walking right by me on the path as i'm going back to my room that was cool that's the first place i stayed where we actually had to have the net set up uh, oh, for for mosquitoes, for bugs, yeah. But you know, it was anticlimactic. I was a little worried. I thought I'd wake up in the middle of the night. There'd be all these things crawling on the net. <laughs> for the time frame that we went, for whatever reason, um, I didn't have any much problems with with bugs. <laughs> mm-hmm. They do a good job, really. Um, one fun experience I had with a mosquito net was I was in Mombasa, which you didn't get to go to, but 
I mean, it should be on your list for a beach holiday someday. Very cool, like kind of these tin roofed um, like beach huts. And a mouse fell off the rafters and he fell on my mosquito net. And like, it was like a slide for him. He was like, boop, and he slid off and ran out the door and <laughs> was adorable. So there you go. All right. But um, that's neither here nor there or nothing like this trip is like so tangent. My apologies. Um, <laughs> can we talk a little bit about, um, so we've talked about these resorts are not, you know, this is not tent camping. This is a nice experience. We have bars, we have pools. That's right. We have mosquito nets, but they're on, you know, this is a proper sized bed. This isn't a European size bed. These looked like they were queen and king size beds. Is that true? That's right. Yeah. They're queen, queen or king size beds in each place. Uh, the rooms were nice and big, big bathrooms everywhere I went. Um, only, only that first one at the Ark was a small, um, smallest room, but the other ones were all nice, nice big rooms. And were they shared bathrooms or they all had en suites? Um, we all had our own bathroom. Never, okay. never had to share. Perfect. Okay. So you, how many different places did you stay? Let's see. So we stayed at, um, Stanley Sarova, Niobe, the Ark. Uh, I guess I think it was about five different places. Okay. Um, and we, yeah. So from there, on a typical day, you would wake up, have breakfast, like on site. I'm, I'm right. guessing. And then, how did the safari start? So we we get up rather early, you know, at, at that way we were out the door by seven seven thirty because the animals tend to roam in the morning. And in the evening when it's cooler temperatures. Mm-hmm. So we'd go get breakfast and then we were in these. Now you can do Jeep experience. We didn't have the Jeep. We had these vans with the pop up um, roof. The roof kind of pops up mm-hmm. um, and it can pop down. Um, uh, you know, if, if you have the opportunity, the Jeep is the way to go. It's a little bit more comfortable experience. But for what we were doing, the, the vans worked out just, just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the window's open, too, so you can look out the window if you're sitting there, or you could stand up as you're going through your game drive and get some good shots um, out of out of the roof. Do they uh, call and, them and... Matatus? It's like a Nissan I don't know. bus? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's like a Nissan bus. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, Mat- yeah. yeah, they're different. I, I, I expected a Jeep, and then I'm like, what is this? is interesting, but it kind of pops. You know, the, I was glad. I was nervous. I'm like, what? We can't. We're not going to be outside, but then when they popped up the, the roof, I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Um, so we'd, we'd take turns. So we had no more than six people per vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it fit more than that, they kind of limited it. So that way we all kind of had turns. Um, and then what we'd do, I don't know if this is what you did, but we'd rotate each day. So we'd, okay. we'd be in different positions. So you'd be in the front of the van one day, in the middle one day, and then in the back, and then do that all over again uh, just so that everybody got a chance to have a, a different angle, different side nice. of the okay. van to get, to get their shots and, and sights. In. Okay, good. And then, um, you know, as far as now, were you, did you take a game drive every day on this trip? Yeah. Yeah. There was game drives. I mean, just about every day. I mean, when we're in the middle of it, the first day, no. And the last day, no. But in between, yeah, there's at least one game drive every day, sometimes two, because we go out in the evening again. We might go into one park in the morning and the same park in the evening or one park in the morning and then a different park in the evening just to have a better shot of seeing 
all the different animals we wanted to see. Mm-hmm. I have to say, like this experience, you know, I didn't think we'd see everything that we did. We saw basically everything you'd want to see in Kenya. We saw the only thing I didn't get a real good clear shot of. We did see it, but they're pretty much mostly underwater was the hippos. That's oh, yeah. the only thing I missed that I wanted to see. And when there was another park we were supposed to go to, but that's the day it rained. And that's okay. where you see all the hippos. And they're like, yeah, we're going to see some hippos. No problem. But then it rained. And so the road to get there mm-hmm. was flooded. And so we couldn't get to that area. So that's the only thing. If I went back, I'd want to see, but we saw everything else. Okay. Okay. That's pretty neat. So then uh, just as far as frequency goes, and this is going to depend on migration season, if it's the wet season, if it's the dry season, what park you're in, if you're in the park with the river or not. But when you were there, did you see like, as far as, you know, in Pennsylvania, I think about driving at night, like you're going to see a deer if you even just go out. If you drive, you will see a deer. If you, you know, on occasion, you'll see an opossum. On occasion, you'll see a raccoon. Um, And if you're backpacking in the woods, you might come across a bear. But they're not, like, just everywhere. So can you give some sort of comparison to that? Yeah, so we did see a lot of antelope-type creatures, like bushbuck, waterbucks, impalas. Um, But we also did see um, hyena. Which oh, are a little elusive. Mm. We saw that's the one you hate. So we saw we saw a couple different hyenas. I didn't even know there were two kind of hyenas. We saw mm. the one that you're used to, like from the Lion King, the sort of um, spotted hyena. But we also saw zebra um, oh. hyena. So there's they're black and white striped hyena, which is really rare. Our oh, guide wow. had had seen them before. He said they're very elusive, rare. But we did get to see that, and not only that. Um, there was a first that the guide had never seen, and it was it was these these zebra hyenas um, mating, uh, and so he was pretty excited about that. He'd never seen that before, so we all got our pictures in. And now it's <laughs> documented on Travel Radio <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh and my! It's interesting because the guide had been doing this for like thirty years or so. I don't know how long, but you know, many decades. And he's all that you know, I've seen these hyenas before but never seen them mating before so he was he was super excited even well there will be more next year so congratulations the odds went up all right matt so, so what saw, are, go ahead yeah yeah so the other things we saw that you see we saw um a few different kinds of of um giraffes which mm-hmm. i didn't even know there were different kinds of giraffe mm-hmm. we saw different kinds of gazelle we saw uh, a, a Besa oryx. We saw a Gravy's zebra. Did you see a Gravy's zebra when you were there? I don't. I don't know what that is. So, and again, this is. And you want to Google this image because it's it's a different looking kind of zebra. I didn't okay. even know. Again, I didn't know there were different kinds of zebra. I just thought yeah. there was a zebra. But a Gravy zebra kind of looks like it mated with a donkey or something. It's got these big <laughs> ears that stick out. They're very, very rare and very endangered think you know you can look it up but there's only like you know a few hundred i think of them left i think it's less than a thousand of these gravies but at least they've got they've got um counted my mm. favorite antelope because you see a lot of different antelope creatures um was something called a dick dick oh yeah. um it's They're like cute. a little tiny deer it's like i want one i'm like can yeah. i have one of these and just roam my backyard it's like this little <laughs> 
baby deer. Um, they're very, very shy, uh, but they're all over, and they're just really cute running around. Um, I can imagine ostrich. it with your chickens. What would you name yeah, it? Yeah, they would love it. What would you name it? Chick Chick? I don't know. <laughs> That's really funny. That's a good one. All right. That's pretty good. Sorry, go ahead. We had we did have a lot of close encounters, which which I thought was really cool. So we had close encounters with baboon, like I said before, as well as black faced monkey. Um, we did have a close encounter with a leopard hanging in a tree. Those are fairly rare, um, but we it 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 had caught its kill. I think a little bit before we got there, so we didn't see that. But after it was eating its meal, it just hung from a tree, um, which for me with my eyes I went to spot. But those guides are really good. They can see things from miles away, and they're like, whoa. There's a leopard there. We're like, where? Where is it? But we were able to get really close because the way that uh, the, uh, the the pathways went. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had close encounters with ostrich, elephant, uh, giraffe. Right. Even the ostrich. Yeah. Aren't they enormous? They're just so big. It's like scary. Yeah. The, I mean, the, you, you have the video of when I'm crossing by the elephant, and it's about... Um, maybe seven feet away. We're, you know, it's like, well, it's just a tall person away (laughs) from from me, but it's, it's looking at us, but it's not really afraid of us. And the guide said that they seem to think of us as one big creature when we're coming in on that van. They just think we're this one big creature. Um, and, but they're not, they're not worried about us. They're, they, they, they know that we can, (laughs) that they can handle us. So we just kind of pass by slowly. Um, not to scare them, not to cause alarm or anything, and, and get our shots in while they're eating. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Matt does have a lot of really good photos, and we'll go over just a few of them in our little video YouTube when we go through Matt's um, five tips for traveling to Kenya on a luxury safari. But I will... Is your photo album public? Is that something that people can just look at? Yeah. It is. Okay. Well, I'll put that in the show notes because it's worth looking at because you did a great job taking photos and there are so many of them. And my kids watched all of the videos multiple times. They had a really good time with that. Yeah, they did. (laughs) And the the baby cheetahs, I mean, they just, you know, can we get one? Like that baby cheetah is bigger than your dog. No. Like. (laughs) Right. And those were the exciting experiences. So we can get into carnivores that we saw. So I did see lion had a really close encounter with a lion that was like probably the scariest mm. um moment it kind of just walked it was far away at first um and it just started walking towards us we're in our van of course you can't get out of the van walking walked right in front of the van and you've seen on videos where they show lions where they climb up on top of the van i thought yes. that might happen but it didn't it yeah. just kind of walked right by the van i mean i it was really close i feel like it probably was brushing up against the van our yeah. windows were down in the video, if you watch it, that you can kind of hear some nervous laughter. There was a um, a lady sitting in the front with the window down, yes. and it went right by her, and she's kind of squealing. Yes, I thought um, it was a child. It, no, yeah, it wasn't. But it was it was really right after she rolled up her window. <laughs> she was like, "No, um, yeah, I was." I mean, you can see on the video. I'm like, uh, "This is too close." Yes. <laughs> Oh, gosh. So which uh, African animal was your favorite then? The cheetah. I think the cheetah was the, the cheetahs were the treat. With the, we had saw they had um, there's a group of cheetahs that we had saw earlier in the day or I think the previous day. And they were called um, the five brothers. 
because there's five of them all born uh, in the same litter and they all just hang out with each other. And so we had seen them kind of sleeping around and that was, you know, kind of cool, but it was a little bit too far away for sight, you know, with in plain sight rather than with binoculars. Mm -hmm. But then we saw the mom and her, her baby cheetahs in the distance. Um, she had the day before we heard she had gotten a kill and they're okay. all kind of feeding on it still because they can eat it over a couple day period. Yep. Then at some point they decided to stop eating and they wanted to go for a little walk. They got up with the mother leading them from behind, actually. She was leading them from behind and all, I think it was seven baby cheetahs all coming. We don't know where they're going to walk. You know, we're just sitting on the side of the road. They're in a distance, but then they come and you can see in the video, they come right up right in front of our, our van, crossing the little pathway yeah. and getting on the other side and then looking back for more guidance from mom to see where, where they need to go or what they need to do. And that was, that was the biggest treat, I think. The video me, is wonderful. And we are yeah. going to play that in the, in the YouTube little video we're going to do. And I just couldn't believe like they just kept coming. I was like, this was a, that mama, yeah. like she had a hard job. She's got. I wonder if it's more than one litter. I wonder if they're merged. I don't know. That's because there's no, a lot of babies. one litter. It's one litter. And so the surprising thing, I mean, they're still pretty young, so we'll see what happens. And you can follow them online, from what I understand. You can look them up. They've got names for them now. And there's a name. I don't remember the name of the mom, but you can look them up. And uh, it's rare for all seven of them to survive. So, you know, I haven't looked them up in the, since I came back a month and a half ago or so, but typically, you, you know, do, you have seven, maybe three us. make it. Okay. Yeah. yeah if I, I'll, if I can find it, I'll send that over. Uh, but yeah, typically you get, might give birth to seven, but maybe only three make it. So for all seven to be, and you can see they look pretty good and healthy. They do. So as long as, you know, it's, it's a tough world out there and, you know, in safari land. So you never know if an, another, you know, carnivore might capture one of the babies or something like that, or if the mom's not able to um, hunt down, you know, some yeah, prey yeah. for the kids to eat, the baby cubs to eat, um, you know, but they looked pretty good and healthy when we were there. Yeah. I mean, we, in the, you don't have children yet, or I don't know what your plans are, but you don't have to tell us, but in the mom community, we do make jokes about, we understand why lions eat their cubs. Like, you know, <laughs> if you're naughty. <laughs> so apparently they were all well-behaved cheetah cubs. They were all just angels. That's why. That's why. So was there a moment when you were afraid? Was there a moment when you were like, this is just, this is a little outside my comfort zone? The first, so the lion one, definitely the lioness coming real close. That was one of the moments. The other one, I think, was the tent experience. So oh, being in that tent, I a little bit more vulnerable. I didn't realize you were in a tent. Tell me about the tent. That was our last our last night. So we were in the tent, I think it was two nights. That was a really cool experience. So it's not like a camping tent, right? This is like a structured tent, canvas walls, the zipper windows. You go behind the bed, and there's a back area with the actual structure. So there's a bathroom there, and it's a, it's a, a structured bathroom with a door that closes and tile walls and the whole thing. But the area that you sleep in is the tent portion. So you feel a little hmm. bit more vulnerable, kind of feels like something could come in. Um, ours, our tent was actually set up with a door in front, a glass door. Um, it's unlocked. Uh, others had a zipper tent where things could get in more easily. So it was pretty secured, but it's just, you can really hear without walls, with just hmm. tent walls, canvas walls, 
can really hear everything going on. And you wake up in the middle of the night, you hear a lion roar or you yeah. hear things walking outside your tent. Like, what is that? It's probably just one of those little dick dicks. But when <laughs> it's the middle of the night, they sound like something really big. Um, mm-hmm. But it, the one thing that does make you feel secure is when, you, when you're done for the night, you know, they, it was a really nice lodge and they had a nice bar and a nice restaurant. When you're walking back, to your room. Mine was quite a, a little bit of a distance. It was probably a five minute walk mm-hmm. back from my room, um, walking back by yourself in the dark. Um, but I had my flashlight and when I get closer to my tent, there's a guy standing there. Uh, I think he had a machete <laughs> and uh, he's like, don't worry. I'm going to be out here all night. You can sleep safe and sound. If anything comes near or approaches, don't have to worry about anything. Matt, um, and you, you are, paid yeah. <laughs> to be there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That's wild. So what about um, your meals? Were most of them included, or was there ever a time where you were out in the city and you needed to find something? How did that work? When, when we're out in, in the lodges and stuff, all the meals were included. So you'd get breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was all buffet-style. Um, some places better than others, but uh, but all every, all the food was was fair. All the food was good. Um, we did get to try some different things I'd never had before. They had barracuda as a fish. Oh. Um, they did have some ostrich meat that I was able to try as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time that I went out on a restaurant on my own was when I was in Nairobi that first day for dinner, and that's where I, you know. I don't know if you saw that picture where I've got, uh, um, it looks like a big plate of, of bananas. <laughs> yes. That's it. That is one of the ones we're going to talk about. Yes. Tell us about that. Yeah. So that, um, so it had the meat that was seasoned was really good. I don't know what it was. It was like some kind of stewed meat and a really good sauce. Mm-hmm. And, but most of it was this plate of bananas, which I just couldn't get to. I ate all the meat. It wasn't bananas. It was another form. I can't remember, you know, like a plantain kind of thing, something like that. They had a different name for it, but it was something like that. And, um, I couldn't get through it all. I I ate about half of it, but the, there's still some there. And then the guy finally came, you're not going to eat all that. I I just can't, I can't fit all those, all those in. (laughs) Um, it was just, I just wasn't expecting this huge plate of, Mm -hmm. you know, plantain to be served, Um, but the meat was really good. Uh, the rest of the food, at all the lodges were really good. It was heavily uh, English influenced. There was like, you know, mm-hmm. porridges. Every night for dessert, there was a different kind of what they call pudding. Yes. But to me, I would just call it cake, okay. you know? Yeah. Um, it seemed like cake. And if you, you know, you live in England, you know, there's, I kind of feel like the word pudding for them is like how we say whatchamacallit. Because every time you get a pudding, yeah. it could be to me a sausage. Sometimes it's a savory thing. Huh. Sometimes the pudding's a sweet thing. It's a cake or it's a bread. So <laughs> yes. I don't know. What do you think? Is, is pudding just mean what you call it over there or, or what? <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatchamacallit dessert. So pudding can both be something that's the consistency of our pudding, but they might call that like a mousse or they might call that a, a jelly or a gel of some sort. Um, okay. But pudding tends to be the sweet thing that comes after your meal. Uh, but in breakfast times... Pudding could refer to like a black or white pudding served at breakfast is a type of sausage and it, yeah, we'll call it savory. It's yeah. The black one's blood sausage and the white one I think is, is something that is, uh, the, 
maybe the British version of like Scrapple, but it but in a roll. Okay. So you're gonna so if you see like a black and white on the menu, it's a slice of each. Uh, yeah, and then yes, pudding is typically anything that's a dessert, but they would call a biscuit something that's like a cookie is a biscuit. Uh, which, okay. So a biscuit can be savory or it can be sweet. And then a, a cookie is, I think, something that maybe it like has inclusions like a chocolate chip or, um, you know, something that's specifically desserty. But like a biscuit is more like you would serve it with. It's it's less sweet and it would be served with tea and it could be served with cheese. Um, so, yeah. And then they have, oh, I won't even get into it. There's a lot. But if someone's offering you pudding in the morning, sausage. In the evening, okay. dessert. So, and then there's Yorkshire pudding, which to me is like a bread. That is true. That is also true. Which (laughs) I don't know if you saw my Facebook feed, but I made the most epic Yorkshire puddings the other night, and and it's easy. And I'll send you the recipe. Yeah, amazing. It was like, can I do it in my instant pot? (laughs) You know, I don't have an instant pot, but uh, you could try it. We'll see. All right. I'll try one I'm, I'm addicted one. to my instant pie right now. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, let me know how it works. Oh, that's funny. So then um I so it sounds like most of the meals were included. It looks like you also had one epic meal at a restaurant that I still talk about to this day. And it is a restaurant where you can try game meats. Will you tell us about that, Matt? Yeah, so that was incredible for me because I love I, I like going to places where I could try different things. And the lodges had pretty much normal food. They had some curries and things, too. So there was some kind of Indian influence in there. But Carnivore Kenya, that's what I was excited about. I had asked about this when mm-hmm. we were, on my first night when I got there. Where can I eat to get the, the weird the weird meats or the weird stuff? And yes. they're like, Carnivore Kenya. And it's, so the guide, he said, you know, if you want, we'll set, we'll get a group together. And on our last day in Nairobi, we'll go there. So about 12 people. From the group, we're able to make it, and uh, there's a video there that you see where of all the different meats that they're cooking over this this big sort of round grill, and it's kind of like um, a Brazilian steakhouse or a churrascaria. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they come around and they just keep coming around with different kinds of meat until you put the stop sign up. Uh, and they have normal stuff too, like there was chicken yeah. seasoned in different ways. But when it got to the weird stuff, I mean, they did, they don't do, they used to, but now it's banned to do stuff like elephant and giraffe and these different sort of things. Hmm. Um, but they did have weird stuff like um, ostrich and then, and then the weirdest one. Do you want to hear? Yes, of course. The weirdest thing you ate? Now, I've heard of this and you're in, and you're from Colorado. Um, oh no, I know where the you're Rocky going. The Rocky Mountains. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they did have uh, Rocky Mountain oysters, also known as did they call bull them? Balls. Uh, did they call them Rocky Mountain oysters? They they called them bull balls. Oh, that's what they. That's how they called them test bull balls. But where did um, they come from? What did they come off of? I don't. You know, I don't know. I don't know where they got them. I didn't see any bulls there. They must. I'm sure they have cow. They have cows. I mean, I did see cows, so they yeah. must have bulls as well. Um, and so I said, oh, okay, this is one thing I never really wanted to try. But I'm like, okay, well, I'm here. It's being served. I guess I'll. I'll do it. Uh, so cut it up. It just looks like a, a kind of a meatball yeah. or something is what it seemed like it was. And you cut a piece off, a uh, slice off, and you eat it. Um, one person really liked it. I, I tried it, and then I tried it again just to make sure. And it, it that, that definitely was yeah. not for me. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Um, so when I was there, uh, zebra was on the menu. 
Did you have any yeah, zebra? No. No, we didn't have any zebra. It, was it there or you just didn't try it? I don't know. I would have tried everything. I don't think they're allowed to, oh. to do zebra anymore. I think that's one of the ones that are, are banned on the list. Yeah. Okay. Which is interesting because there are so many zebra, right? There are just tons of them. Um, yeah. The, the but, way that they're, they're allowed to do anything they want as long as it's bred and in captivity. If it's wild... Now they've changed the law where you can't go out hunting wild animal and serving at a restaurant. Now, if you want to breed zebras Mm -hmm. somewhere and then serve the meat, then you're fine to do that. But I guess at least at the time we went, there wasn't any available. That's so interesting. Just thinking about how we, you know, consider, you know, meat and like these are free range chickens. But that's anyway, whatever. That's interesting. Right. Yeah, I did have zebra and they, of course, they said zebra and they you know, it was on a huge, basically sword, and they put the sword in your on your tin plate, and they say, you know, how what how do you like it? And I I like things a little more well done. So they turn it to the well side, and they take a machete and they slice you off. At least at the time, they sliced you off your piece, and then they'd move on to the next person, like zebra, and then you and then wow. they'd, they'd also tell you the accompanying sauce that went with it because they have a whole bunch of they did have a whole bunch That's of right. sauces in the middle of the table. Um, and, and it was actually delicious. It was like redder in, in color. Like it's a, like it's a darker meat and it was, um, naturally a little sweet. And that's probably, be, I'm going to guess because of they eat grass mostly. Uh, but it was, huh. it wasn't, it was not bad, but I, I tried chicken heart, which one of the girls that was with us was like, Oh yeah, I tried it. It was delicious. No, that is like all cartilage. It was horrible. We had that. Don't do that. I had that. Oh. But but so I, and I had chicken hearts before. That was popular when I lived in Bulgaria. They would have that. But you know, it's better if you get the chance. Don't give up on hearts yet. The best huh. thing if you go to Bulgaria, it's duck hearts. Duck hearts. That's interesting. They saute it with onions. Um, that's good. The chicken hearts are a little kind of more gamey flavor and mm. a little tougher. The but texture. Yes, the texture. Mm. Yeah, the texture is really weird. Yeah. Yeah. For chicken hearts, but duck hearts, it's. And they no, had crocodile. That's one of my favorite things. Did you get any crocodile? Had yeah, had crocodile. Tastes like a fishy chicken. It does. I, <laughs> I was yeah. going to say swampy chicken, but yeah, exactly. Or swampy chicken, yeah. Yeah, and, and the sauces, like you mentioned, that there's different sauces that accompanied everything, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and then um, I think I don't want to say standard, but popularly in the country, as um, roast goat, which I really enjoyed. Yep. Yeah, I really enjoyed the roast goat, especially when they we stew it. Yeah. Yeah, one of the buffets had like a goat curry, which was really good. Yeah, I I will go for that every time. I really do enjoy that. Um, okay, well, um, oh, and then finally, when you're done with that, was there a little cake with a flag in it and you had to like surrender? You had to like take the flag out and wave them off. Don't bring me any more meat. Was it like that? Yeah. I don't know if there was a cake, but there was a a thing that we had to put up when we're like, okay, we're done. <laughs> we're, we're full here. There was some little flag that we, that we put up, but I don't think, I don't remember getting cake. Yeah. It was, it was like but a I, little, like a little muffiny cupcakey little. I mean, oh yeah. Time. Individual. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We did get that at the end. Yeah. When, at the end of our meal. Yeah. We, we each got our own little individual, um, little cake. Yeah. Yeah. So totally worth it. Do you remember what it cost or you don't want to say? Uh, it wasn't anything too crazy. I think it was, 
maybe it was 40 US dollars, something like that. Okay, that actually sounds really wasn't, reasonable. Yeah, it wasn't anything crazy. Okay, good. That's good to know. So, um, who do you think, you know, who do you think is the ideal traveler for this type of a trip? And who might you caution against taking this type of trip? Well, it's definitely someone that's adventurous, um, but someone that can also sit for a long time. You're going to sit for a long time while you're, while you're looking for the game. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's a bump. It can be a bumpy ride at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously photographers would love it. Um, sure. anybody who loves animals, um, would be great. Uh, not, not if you're really sensitive to temperature, probably not because it does get, you know, warm and humid there. Although the nights, at least the time frame we went, the nights were cool. Um, the accommodations were great. I, I don't worry about that. Um, at least, you know, or get a good travel agent to pick the right accommodations for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we, our trek, we did a lot of driving. Mm-hmm. Um, there, so there are a couple different things you can do. If you want to do all that driving, if, if I was going to plan it for somebody, I'd cut out some of the driving and do, you can do these little uh, planes instead to get sure. you from one end to the other. Cause we yeah. did, there were some long days of driving, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that I, if I did it again, I'd probably, you know, I'm just going to take the little plane to that area and do it a little bit differently. So that was good to know. Plus um, the vantage point from an airplane must be spectacular. I'm going to derail us real quick and then bring it back. Did you, did you experience air conditioning anywhere on this trip? I'm just thinking like if people have, you know, sensitivities or maybe like a small bit or like something like a not quite serious health concern, like sometimes just the ability to get cool can really affect your health and be, you know, get you back to if you've been hot all day. So just, I was just wondering, right. I think it would be useful information. Okay. So sorry. You well, can, the, go ahead. Well, the best thing they did is when, uh, oftentimes when you came back, they'd have a uh, cold um, washcloth that they'd hand you and just rubbing that, you know, on your hands and your neck was really nice. And mm-hmm. um, what I'd recommend just in case you're staying somewhere that, that doesn't offer that um, you can take a little collapsible cooler with you from home one okay. of those little collapsible ones, mm-hmm. um, get some washcloths. That can be your carry-on if you want, and then repurpose it when you get to the hotel. But um, get some ice. Ask them for ice. Fill up yes. that cooler with ice, um, and then put your cold towels in there, and then just leave them in the room. Then when you get back to the room, take that cold towel and just rub it all over your neck and your hands, and it does a great job of just taking the edge off of, mm. of that heat. Yeah, that's a good idea. Are there any other people you would say, maybe this isn't for you or creature comforts that you, that you are missing that you think if you need X, Y, and Z, this is not for you. Yeah. If you're worried about creepy crawlies, uh, I, I wouldn't go, uh, trying to think of anything else. I mean, I think you, you need to be flexible. You need to be more of an adventurous kind of person to, mm-hmm. to want to go on this trip. Um, so I, I mean, I think that, I think that rules out, <laughs> a significant portion of people, but if you're okay with a little bit of discomfort, you want to be adventurous, you know, it's all worthwhile in the end. I'd say if you're able to just forget about some of these little things, you're going to have an amazing experience seeing all the different animals mm-hmm. you know, that you, that you'd never thought you'd see in, in, in their natural environment, you know, not in a zoo. What about like an age, an age restriction? Because I actually looked at a couple for our family, but they were saying, you know, Joey is not eligible. 
because they wanted a minimum age of eight years old. What do you think about that? That's right. Okay. Yeah, that's. I think that's everyone recommends it has to be a minimum age of eight. And know your children, so it might not be for every child. Uh, even if they're 12, it might not be for them, depending, you know, on their personality. So, so you want to know them, not something you want to force anybody into. Um, the youngest people we had in our group were in their early 20s, and the oldest people were in their 70s. So it, it really does, mm. I don't know if it's much of an age thing, it really does depend on your personality and, you know, how sort of flexible and easygoing you are. Sure. Now, what about souvenirs? Did you pick up something along the way? I did. There's lots of souvenir shops that you stop at. Um, the one that I really enjoyed was um, outside of Samburu, there was this little village that we had the opportunity to visit. And these are one of those villages where the they kind of really live in these huts where it's made out of like cow dung and like grass or hay or something. Um, and we got to interact and hang out with the village for, I don't know, a good hour or so. And they did some dancing, but mostly we, we danced with them and we talked and one of them invited us into their home so we could see what it looked like. And uh, one of the guys that I met there had made this sort of totem uh, hmm. thing. And so he, he had given it to me. So oh. that was, that's what I, that's what I brought back. I didn't, you know, there's, I looked at a bunch of things and I'm kind of, in a, in a minimalist phase right now. I didn't want too many things, but I did want at least one thing. And so I thought that was really cool. And that kind of gave me the thing I wanted that I felt like, you know, I don't need to buy anything um, else. I really like this, this gift that he gave me. And that was I did, sweet. you know, I did end up giving him some money for it because, you know, it looks, it's pretty cool. And it probably took him a little bit of time. I didn't want him to go away empty handed. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad that you brought this up because I have a note here to talk about you know, encounters you had with local villagers. Uh, and and I saw that you had, um, maybe you went to like a, a weaving community of some sort. And then I also saw that you were dancing with the Maasai and jumping with the Maasai, which is very exciting to me. So right. do you want to speak about either of those? Yeah. So the weaving community, that was the one I just, I just talked about. Okay. So, uh, and they, they have three villages local, the school, they're the main village and there's a school there. So all the kids go there. So there was kids there hanging out, talking, practicing some English songs, practicing some words on us. Uh, and that was the weaving community. That was a really cool experience. And even, you know, I'm a little adventurous, you know, for me, I'm like, hmm, if they offered one night to stay in this village, I think I'd, I think I'd do it. <laughs> I think yeah. that'd be pretty cool um, to see, you know, how, how they eat their meals. And especially if they, you know, have some, you know, I don't know, some whiskey or some vodka or something we can drink. <laughs> To get to know each other better, that would be cool. Did you try so, any Tusker or any of the local beers while you were there? I did. I had a sip. I'm not a huge beer person, but um, most of the people that are beer people there that were there, they thought Tusker was great. They mm -hmm. did have a cider that oh. I really enjoyed, mm -hmm. um, an alcoholic cider. So I, I would drink that. And then every evening, you know, at the lodges, there'd be a bar and I'd go and get, you know, just get some bourbon straight or... Um, or something of that nature. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, because you, that's another episode we did. You learned all about whiskey. You know how to drink it. So that's good. Or bourbon or right. scotch. Yeah, awesome. So um, what about, do you have any advice for people as far as travel insurance? Um, 
or, or those sort of things? Yeah, you definitely want to get travel protection on this trip. And if there's a box you can check for the adventurous sort of thing, that might be worthwhile. Mm -hmm. um, look at that closely. Uh, but definitely have something. And I think this is one, you know, a lot of people have credit cards these days where it includes some sort of travel protection. Um, really look at that. I don't know that that's enough. You wanna, I think you that's make sure just for like your tickets and bags and things. I don't think there's yeah. any medical included. And Yeah, um, you want to make yeah. sure you have medical and you want to make sure you have, just in case something happens, you want to make sure you have the, the evacuation and repatriation. Because um, that alone, if, if you needed to be, you know, evacuated by you know helicopter or something like that for mm -hmm. some accident mm -hmm. even if you just you know even if you just fell and you know broke a leg um that costs over a hundred thousand dollars yeah oftentimes so, uh, but with the travel protection covered so just you know just for peace of mind alone you know is something going to happen probably not you know it's, it's really rare that there'd be you know any kind of incident but just for peace of mind in case something happens you never know and these, yep. the travel protection is they have lots of different plans, different levels, and they're relatively inexpensive compared to the total cost of your trip. You know, just just do it. Yeah, and I think what you said is right on in that compared to the cost of your trip, like you're you're protecting the value of the trip. You you've saved a lifetime for this trip. Spend the extra two hundred bucks or whatever it is to make sure you know, everything goes right. And if it goes wrong, you can recoup those expenses or have someone who knows the country, you know, interfacing in the right language for you with the doctors and hospitals and all those sort of things. So yeah, yeah. not not a bad buy that insurance. If you travel often, you can get annual insurance. So yeah. And yeah. It, you know, it's even, it protects you even when you're back home, because say what happens if, you know, there's a, a death in the family or you fall back home you know, pruning the trees or whatever, and you fall off a ladder and break your leg a week before you're supposed to go on this trip, you know, now you're out, you know, mm -hmm. all this money because you're not able to go anymore. Mm -hmm. But with the travel protection, you've covered. So if you're cool. not able to go for, for one of the covered reasons, then you're, you know, you, like you'll a... be able to recoup some of your losses. So Yeah, nice. Good tip. All right, Matt, well, is there anything we're missing? I, we covered a lot, and we'll uh, we'll jump over to the video, which which won't be super long, but it will be great because we'll get some of your videos in there and get some of your tips. Anything that we want to include here now? No, I think I think that was a pretty good rundown of the itinerary and the experience we had. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to doing the video and talking about those tips. Sure. And then if people, you know, you are a travel, if we didn't say this, which I think we did, you are a travel planner, a travel agent, and this is a trip that you would be excited to plan for people. So how can people find you? Yeah, they can find me by just go to your browser, your internet browser, and type in matt.travel, M-A-T-T dot E-R-A-V-E-L, and, or email me at matt at matt.travel. Uh, that's it. Just Matt at Matt.travel. No.com. Everybody wants to put a .com on there. Don't <laughs> do it. Including you. Matt at Matt.travel. Yeah, including me sometimes. No, just Matt at Matt.travel. And I'd love to tell you about my experience and see if I can craft something similar for you based on based on what, you know, you like. It's, you know, but I, I, I tend to do customized experiences for people, um, not cookie cutter stuff. I want them to make sure that they get the kind of experience mm -hmm. and see the things that they want to do and stay in the places awesome. that they want to stay. 
Yeah, great. Yeah, and if you, again, if you're in the show notes, um, at the bottom will be links to all the things we talked about. So just scroll down, you'll see those links and you can click on them. But then also you, you'll you see Matt's face top right as the featured guest. If you click on Matt, then you will get to all of his contact information, his bio and all that sort of thing. So um, if you don't remember Matt.travel, just remember to click Matt's picture. And then also in the bio show notes will be the video that we're about to record. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being my guest again. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. See you soon on that video. Okay, great. This is Megan Chapa of Travel Radio Podcast saying goodnight. Bye.